Good morning, friends. Uh, welcome to God's Eagle Ministries. At God's Eagle Ministries, we are seeding the nations with God's word, and God Himself is, is transforming lives through uh, the timeless truth in His in His Word. My name is Ambassador Aurel Jo Monday Ogbe. Today is Friday, the twentieth of May, twenty twenty-two. And Otakada content count is 2,220,572. And the title today is Perfect Relationships, Seven Toxic Relationships to Avoid, Purge, or Manage, Seven God Ordained Relationships to Cultivate, Three Great Areas to Watch, Five Ways to Pursue Peace. And the subtitle there is Perfect Relationship in our series of Perfect Words, Works, and Wonders, Seven indicators of toxic relationship to purge and avoid like a plague plus seven indicators of god ordained and god modeled relationship to cherish uh, three great areas to note for toxic relationship to keep in mind and guide your relationship decisions and five ways to pursue peace in a toxic relationship let us pray our heavenly father we just want to thank you uh, for the privilege to share this word uh, with your people and also with myself I thank you because of who you are. I thank you for you are greater than the greatest. You are mightier than the mightiest. And you are holier than the holiest. And there is no one like unto you. In you we live, we move, and we have our being. Without you we can do nothing of lasting impact. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this is the day that you have made to us. And we rejoice and are glad in it. Thank you for a new day and a new dawn. As we uh, go into this word, I hide myself behind the cross. I ask that you use me as your tool uh, to be a blessing to them and also to myself in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask the Spirit of the living God that you cause this word to ride upon the wings of the Spirit to the four winds of the earth to go into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and bone and marrow that it will begin to create a healing, a deliverance, and a restoration in the lives of as many that are connected through this voice, through the video, through the audio, through the text, over the internet, in the mighty name of Jesus. That when they look back after uh, reviewing uh, this content and after deploying this con uh, uh, content on the mission field of life and on the mission field of your relationships, there will be testimonies. But as this word goes out, it will come back with a testimony that it has achieved the purpose for which it has been sent. And Lord, it will come back for your own glory and our blessings and the blessings in our relationships in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and Lord, I, your word says you sent your word and your word brought healing, deliverance and restoration. As this word goes out, let it bring healing, deliverance and restoration be in Jesus name. Amen and Amen. So friends, I welcome you to today's title, Perfect Relationship, Seven Toxic Relationships to Avoid, Purge or Manage, Seven God-Ordained Relationships to Cultivate, Three Great Areas to Watch, and Five Ways to Purge, Pursue Peace. Further broken down in subtitle as Perfect Relationship, Seven uh, Indicators of Toxic Relationship to Purge and Avoid Like a Plague, plus uh, seven indicators of God-ordained and God-model relationship to cherish, plus three gray areas to note for toxic relationship, to keep it in, in mind and guide your relationship decisions on five ways to pursue peace in a toxic relationship. Now, if you live 
in this part of eternity for a while um, when you begin to understand people and relationship relationships are the biggest challenge the most painful headache and the greatest storm or troubles and the deepest pitfalls in this part of eternity another part you and I will encounter on a continuous and constant basis is not about getting good health or great wealth or highest greatness ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters the biggest lacuna or gap is going to be and will continue to be how you and I keep manage and maintain our relationships between the father the son and the holy spirit between spouses and siblings between fathers and mothers between friends and foes both in the physical and the spiritual realm in fact the spiritual realm take precedence over the physical realm so also must your spiritual relationships relations and god takes notice of them that is why the greatest commandment is not about do's and don'ts or about getting and losing but about relationship before we continue let's look at this short story now let's read this short story now about dealing with conflict early first of all making peace doesn't mean avoiding conflict a conflict avoided is often a conflict postponed and therefore a conflict that ultimately becomes worse peacemaking begins with the honest with the honesty and courage to recognize a problem and face it without these steps no further progress can be made growing up I remember building a dam in a stream that was flowing uh, down a hillside. The idea was simple. If we blocked the stream, we could create a pool of water deep enough for a swim. It took some time to gather the stones and put them in place. Eventually, the dam was built. The pool was formed and the level of the water began to rise. Time to get ready for a swim. But there was a problem. A small trickle of water had found its way through the rocks. Before long, the trickle had moved a few small stones, raising more water, which then had the force to remove some larger stones. What began as a trickle ended in a flood. Our dam was swept away, the pool emptied, and all our work was lost. That's the picture God gives us in Proverbs. The beginning of strife is like first trickle of water. It may not have seemed like much at the time, but in that trickle lay the potential for a torrent. You've probably been in that situation. You know if you could go back and do it all over again and the outcome could be different, but you can't go back. So deal with conflict early. Don't let small resentments take root because if you do, they will grow. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out now listen to the question this jewish scribe asked jesus in matthew 22 33 36 to 40 and i read it now from the amplified bible classic edition teacher which kind of commandment is great and important the principal kind and the law some commandments are light which are heavy and he replied to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind or intellect this is a great most important principle and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself these two commandments sum up and upon them depend all the law and the prophets God gauges with highest regards our relationship with him by our relationship with others that is the fruit he looks out for to see if you and I have matured in our work and work with him and others. 
Now, let's read this from 1 John 4, 19 to 21. I'm reading this from the complete Jewish Bible so we, we don't mistake the words. We ourselves love now because he loved us first. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For if a person does not love his brother whom he has seen, then he cannot love God whom he has not seen. Yes, this is a command we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother too. Now, before I, I get into today's message proper, if you missed the last title, How God Explained the Concept of Spirit, Soul, and Body to Me Through the phone, mobile, uh, phone, uh, mobile Phone Structure and Network and Impact on Your Prayers, our subtitle, Perfect Visions and, and Prayer and Perfect Words, Works and Wonders, answers God's Spirit gave me in the secret place concerning your spirit or my spirit, soul, and body, and how that impacts your work and work with the Lord God. God used mobile phone structure and network to give me full clarity to this term. term. Uh, plus analysis of what is happening in layman's language when you are praying and how that can help you pray more effectual and fervent to elicit divine response. Plus some instructions received for the churches and leadership in the just concluded 1640 days prayer and fasting for church and leadership in the secret place of waiting. Now, if you don't have it, go to our website or use this link and, and you'll get in there. Now, let's get answering the first part of today's title, Perfect Relationship. Seven Indicators of Toxic Relationship to Purge uh, or to Avoid uh, Like a Plague or to, uh, to Manage uh, or to uh, uh, Let Go. You know. So, the Bible tells you and I in Hebrews chapter 12, 13 to 15, in Amplified Bible Classic Edition, and cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction, so that the lame and the halt, halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. Exercise foresight and be on watch, on the watch, to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from, from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, in order that no root of bitterness, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble, bitter torment, and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Brothers and sisters, it is easier said than done. We see how war broke out in heaven between Satan and the rebellious angels that aligned with him and God's angel and no room was found for him and his team in heaven. Let's read that account in Revelation 12, 7 to 9. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon and the dragon and his angel fought. But they were defeated and there was no room found for them in heaven any longer. And the huge dragon was cast down and out. That age-old serpent, who is called the devil, Satan, he who is the seducer, deceiver of all humanity the world over, he was forced out and down to earth, and his angels were flung out along with him. And the first ever loving relationship between God and man, man also broke down. In Genesis chapter 3, 22-24, you read that account there, and it says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to know how to distinguish between good and evil, and blessing and calamity. And unless he 
put forth his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So God drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden the cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep and guard the way to the tree of life. My son was asking me uh, some time ago, he said that why is it that God was against them knowing uh, 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 good and evil? Why, why, why is he against that? Well, and as he was asking me, when, when my son asks me questions, I try to ask the Holy Spirit to give me a good answer that will be suited for him. Because not one answer might not fit you, might not fit the third person or the fourth person. The Holy Spirit understands us and he understands the reason why we ask certain questions. So I answered and I said, son, uh, the reason I see here is because that information is progressive. Knowledge is progressive. That son, when you were small, there's certain information I couldn't give you because you couldn't handle it. Okay, but as you went on, I revealed some of those secrets to you, and there's so many more information you need that are not unfolded to you yet because you don't need them. They are not relevant because I can give you certain information that could destroy you. And that's exactly what happened to the children, uh, to, uh, uh, to Adam and Eve here. Yes, there's knowledge of good and evil was going to be released. It was a progressive thing, but they didn't understand God's progressive uh, revelation and knowledge. And so they bought into the lie of the enemy to grab it up front. And so sometimes our lives are all turned upside down because we go after things that we're not ready for. We go after jobs that we're not ready for. We get after relationships that we're not ready for. We go after all kinds of things that are not ready for. And God wants things done, not microwave style, but over time. Okay. It says one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Uh, before the Lord. Now, let's just continue. Just, just by the way, you're not going to get this in the uh, in the text version. I'm just reading and the Holy Spirit just brought that to me when I was reading that uh, Genesis 3. Now, as if that is not enough, when we, we saw this, uh, these people that God had planned to stay with him in the, in the garden, he comes to them in the cool of the day and walks around and now he's thrown them out. I continue now. As if that is not enough, the first mother in the Bible was between brother and brother, Cain and Abel. Same father and same mother. Read this account in Genesis chapter 4, 3 to 12, and I read it. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and for his offering. That's where trouble started. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant. And he looked and, and, and said, uh, looked sad and depressed. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why do you look sad, depressed, and dejected? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And Cain said to his brother, Let us go out in the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are caused by reason of the earth. 
which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's shed blood from your hand. When you till the ground, he shall no longer yield to you his strength. You shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, in perpetual exile, a degraded outcast. Now I make a commentary here. You see here that when the seed of disagreement and seed of disagreement entered into cave, God Cain, God warned him, but he allowed it to fetter with uh, uh, to to fetter to gain deep into his heart. And then as he gains deep and he began to meditate on what has trans transferred transferred between him and 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 the brother, he essentially uh, came up with a plan. And we have to be careful. You can meditate on the wrong things or you can meditate on the right thing. And that's why he says, don't allow the sun go down on your on your anger. But deal with it before you go to bed because the enemy is going to use that to fight against uh, uh, the other party. Not because they do juju or witchcraft or anything. Because the enemy is attracted to negativity. That's his job. Killing, stealing and destroying. I remember uh, when uh, my first marriage failed and I was uh, looking for a wife. <laughs> One of the ladies said I uh, was seeing all kinds of vision for me and, and somehow I couldn't connect and I didn't know she was proposing herself to me. And the day she said it, I told her, no, the Lord has not revealed that to me. You're not my wife. <laughs> all right. And she got angry and left. That night I had a dream. She took a spear. She held a spear, very long spear, and fired it out. And I was at the door, I shut the door, and the spear went all the way, all the way through, halfway through the door, almost hitting me. Now, she's a Christian sister. Was she, um, was she, uh, did she do juju? No, she was angry. And that the enemy used to fight me. And if I was bought into that lie, that would have affected me. Maybe you get up with headache or, or pain. And sometimes you get up and say, ah, Nemesis have caught up with it. No, you instigated. You became the launching pad to attack the person you, you're bitter with. Now, um, and that's why when husband and wife are in disagreement, they said that God stopped hearing the person's prayer because the, the that becomes a launching pad. The two are in disagreement. So things begin to work contrary to divine order. Now, the list of relationship woes are endless. <laughs> now, Cain and Abel, we've, we've seen that. And it's, it's also amazing that wrongdoers always don't want what they, they do happening to them. He says uh, that he was telling God that he didn't want to go out. But let's, let's go ahead. The list of relationship woes are endless. How do we then proceed in relationship with all the stakeholders in this part of eternity and the next? Let's answer that. Now, the first question was seven indicators of toxic relationships to budge, purge and avoid like a plague or to manage and, uh, and and put out okay so i pray to the holy spirit to teach me because i must be fed before anyone else is fed in addressing some of these questions um, i prayed that yesterday and this morning before i started i prayed again i said lord feed me uh, it was this morning that these points came to me and if you open yourself you will be blessed also because i am blessed by them here they are all right number one so seven of them number one you and i cannot relate to anyone who thinks that they they don't have a problem because relationships are meant to sharpen one another to be better people than we met ourselves uh, Look out for heartfelt repentance to restore, establish uh, that relationship. 
iron they say sharpens irons in proverbs 27 17 and hebrews 10 uh, 25 to 21 will give you further clarity there number two relationship to uh, to watch out for relationship to uh, watch out for or relationship uh, to avoid purge or manage so number two on our list is uh, uh, you and I cannot relate to anyone who has concluded that we are their problem they will never ever listen and look to us uh, with with favor and we must look out for repentance before we begin to engage if anybody thinks you are his problem <laughs> you're gonna you're just gonna be fighting a losing battle with that person uh, this is called uh, narrow-mindedness where somebody thinks you are their problem this world we will have trouble Jesus said in John 16 33 and 2nd Timothy 3 12 in Acts 15 36 39 we read this account between Paul and Barnabas after some time Paul said to Barnabas let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyrus. By the way, John Mark is a relation to Barnabas. So Paul and John Mark reconciled later. And that's why I was saying purge, manage, or uh, avoid. So Paul and, 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 and John Mark reconciled later. Apparently, after this, John Mark and Paul were reconciled in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse uh, 11b. It says, Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Further evidence of their reconciliation comes from Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, which has an interesting note in the Amplified Version. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, wishes to be remembered uh, to you. As does Mark, the relative of Barnabas, you receive instructions concerning him. If he comes to you, give him a hearty uh, welcome. Now, number three, you see here reconciliation taking place, but initially they had to part ways. Okay, but the objective is for us to see reason and begin to come back together again. Number three of uh, things to watch out for. You and I cannot relate with anyone who thinks they are better than us and cannot learn anything from us because we have nothing to offer and must avoid them until they sincerely change their ways in repentance. We all have blind spots that can be visible only to others. That is why they are called blind spots. And you can read that in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. It says, be perfect just like your father in heaven is perfect. And when they call Jesus perfect master in Mark 10, 18, he gave up for that. No one is perfect but God. You see, and then let's look at number four, something to look out for. You and I cannot relate with anyone who thinks that our very existence is a threat to them. And you must avoid these people until they come to repentance. If not, they can get possessed with the murderous spirit of Cain and destroy everything about us and eventually ourselves. In 1 John 3, 14, we read that account there. And then you and I cannot relate with anyone who does not believe in teamwork. They are prone to errors and can drag everyone along with their errors. You can read those accounts in John 16, 7, where Jesus said, Look, 
I, I go to prepare I, I go to prepare a place for you and when I go I will come back again and I'll be with you but I will, as I go I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to, to you it is important that I go away if I do not go away the Holy Spirit will not come to you I mean Jesus would have sat back and did all the job for the whole humanity but the Holy Spirit had his part God the Father has his part God the Son has his part God the Holy Spirit have his part now let's look at second first Corinthians 3 16 is other another account there and Acts 8 20 we don't have time here to go through it so you could uh, read those references on your own number six of seven you and I cannot relate with anyone who loves evil and hates peace I must give them distance until they come to repentance you can read that account in Luke chapter 10 5 to 6 and Philippians 4 6 he says, you and I cannot relate with anyone, that is number seven, anyone who hates God and anything that bothers around godliness and contentment in us. I must give them some level of distance until they come to repentance. You can read that account in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 to 7, Luke 10, 27 and John 6, 44. Yeah. The second part of the title, uh, seven indicators of God-ordained and God-model relationship to cherish, answers as follows seven relationships you and i can relate with anyone who knows they have a problem and need help and see that we can be tools in god's hand to bring about that change blind Bartimaeus is an example uh, and then being poor in spirit uh, that jesus talked about in matthew uh we read that account in matthew 5 3 and mark 10 46 to 52 and then number two of seven you and i can relate with anyone who don't see us as a problem of their lives but as a blessing to them his own did not accept him but to those who did he went to them and manifested to them and the woman by the well of samaria for instance so we can read those accounts in john chapter 1 11 and john 4 29 to 43. number three of seven people we can relate with god ordained ones you and i can relate with anyone who see that we can complement them in the areas of weakness god loved the world gave his son we accepted came into relationship god needed a relationship he gave his son so that's it wife submitting to husband and husband loving the wife is also a complementing relationship as christ the church adam had no help we read those account in john 3 16 ephesians 5 22 23 genesis 2 20 and see also second timothy 4 11 b where we talked about uh john mark that was thrown, thrown away before now it became a useful tool uh to paul's ministry number four seven relationship that ordained that we need to get involved in. you and i can relate with anyone who see our presence as divine orchestration and ordination into their lives aaron and moses in exodus 4 27 david and jonathan in first samuel 18 are a typical example for us to look at and Jesus and, and uh, Mary, Martha, uh, and uh, Lazarus are very typical example. Jesus was not going to everybody's house and, and doing everything uh, that they needed. They welcomed him with joy. And we must look out for those relationships, not people who cannot stand us. All right. Five or seven, you and I can relate with anyone who does not believe in teamwork. Sorry, you and I can relate with anyone who does believe in teamwork. For teamwork is of God. All right, so you can look at that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our image. Let me make man. He said, Let us make man in our image. Uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teamwork in John 16, 7, where Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All right, number six of seven. You and I 
can relate with anyone who loves righteousness, justice, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and long-suffering because those are the ways of God. Those are attributes of God. It is upon this that the foundation of God's temple is built. You can read those accounts in Psalms 89, 14 to 18, Exodus 34, 6, Numbers 14, 18, 2 Peter 3 to 9. Let's read Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering. Can you beat that? God is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. That is when it's hard enough. All right? And then 2 Peter 3, 9. Uh, we see, see an account there. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us odd. To us word not willing that any should perish but that all should come to uh, repentance and about the long suffering of God I, I was discussing that with my wife yesterday about the fact that 400 years 400 years God gave the Canaanites to repent in fact he sent Abraham to the promised land and said I'm not giving you this land because the iniquity of these people is not full yet 400 plus years almost 500 five generations was required for the sin of these people to to be over full for god to respond and when the children of israel came into the promised land he warned them if you behave like this i'm going to send you out and they did and he sent them out old israel was uh, as far as baghdad in iraq and and, and persia the borders and with africa but today, look at how, how small, the small area they are trying to even keep at this moment because they will not pursue the ways of the Lord. You see, so God is long-suffering. He gives a very long rope. So that's the attribute that we should have. Okay? Number seven of seven. You and I can relate with anyone who loves God and the quality of God in us and desire to be shown the way for that is discipleship for god is love which are unconditional but respond to us as we respond to his unconditional love towards us you can read this account in deuteronomy 7 10 numbers 10 35 john 15 18 titus 3 1 to 7 and matthew 22 let's look at uh, deuteronomy 7 10 but repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them he will not delay with him who hates him he will repay him to his face numbers 10 35 says then it came about when the act set out that moses said rise up O lord and let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you john 15 18 if the world hates you you know that it has hated me before it hated you that's jesus speaking titus 3 1 to 7 amplified bible classic edition and i read remind people to be submissive to their magistrates and authorities to be patient to be prepared and willing to do any upright and honorable work to slander or abuse or speak evil of no one to avoid being contentious to be forbearing yielding gentle and uh, and conciliatory and to show uh, unqualified courtesy toward everyone for we also were once thoughtless and senseless obstinate and disobedient deluded and misled we too were once slaves to all sorts of cravings and pleasures wasting our days in malice 
and jealousy and envy, hateful, hatred, detestable, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior to man as man appeared, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of his own pity and mercy, by the cleansing bath of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out so richly upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And he did it, that's verse 7, in order that we might be justified by his grace, by his favor, holy and deserved, that we might be acknowledged and counted as conformed to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action, and that we might become heirs of eternal life according to our hope. Having said all of this, we need to take three things in mind as we look at the third title, three great areas to note for toxic relationships, to keep in in mind and to guide our relationship decisions and five ways to pursue peace in a toxic relationship. You know, I was talking about avoid purge and all of that. Yes, but you need to look at this three point here before you now run out and begin to do things you shouldn't be doing. There are those who are already in toxic relations. Some things to keep in mind are these. Number one, in our relationship engagement, we should be led by the Spirit of God and not by the flesh. There are people you cannot work with, even if they are brothers. There are people you cannot live with. There are people, it's just as plain as plain can be. And God knows the chemistry between us and the others. We can't work. That's why I said, separate me Paul and Barnabas. He didn't say, separate me Agapos. Agapos would have used the belt to wipe out Paul at some point with his prophetic moving. All right, movement. Now, Romans, let's look at Romans chapter 8, 1 to 18. Just to take a, a preview here. We need to be led by the spirit in our relationship and not by the flesh. We need to, uh, Jesus had three. He had 12 disciples, but he drew three very close to him because there was something about them, the hunger they had, all those three, James, John, and, and Peter, that the others didn't have. So we need to qualify the relationship. We need to know who to draw close and who to put a little bit distant from us. All right, so let's read Romans 8, 1 to 18. But we need to be led by the spirit. That's the key point. When Jesus went to pick the twelve, he had to go through a night vigil and then when he went out, he began to pick them up. Now, therefore, uh, there is no now no condemnation, no ad judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and work not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has spread us from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law could not do is power being weakened by the flesh. The entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived it of his power over all who accept that sacrifice. So that the righteous and the just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Our lives governed not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. For those who are according to the those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by his unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death, death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul, peace, both now and forever. That is, because the mind of the flesh, with its carnal thoughts and purposes, is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God's law, indeed it cannot. So then those who 
are living in the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to Him. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He is not truly a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, then although your natural body is dead, by reason of sin and guilt, the Spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. And if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ or Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually put into death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. Father, the Spirit himself thus testifies together with our spirits, assuring us that we are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Okay, but then verse 18, the last one. But what of that? For I consider that the suffering of this present time, this present life, are not what being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us, and for us, and it conferred on us. Number two of three, three great areas to look out for as I talk to you about managing purging and managing your relationship or avoiding those relationships. Number two is in marriage relationships, we don't have much leeway. So be careful before you dive into that relationship or dive out. Meditate on the scriptures below to help refresh your memory. Be prayerful before you jump into any marriage relationship. That's number two or, th or three. Make sure it is God sending you into that relationship because when you're in, you have very little leeway to recall your out your way and are bound by the covenant except in cases of infidelity or keeping away if there's a danger to life or to repentance. God honors covenant either with the enemy or a foe. And we learn that truth with Joshua, the children of Israel and the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter 9. Joshua did not consult with God, signed the covenant with them and God said you must accept it. And in David's day, famine ensured on land for three years. Upon inquiry, they found out Saul killed some of the Gibeonites, breaking those covenant that was initiated before he became king, before he even came to earth. God told them to seek peace with the Gibeonites, and the Gibeonites demanded for seven sons of Saul, who was long who was long dead at this time. And after that, and they hanged those seven boys, seven uh, men of the lineage of Saul, and famine ceased from the land. You can read that account in 2 Samuel 2.21. Somebody will say it's Old Testament, but there are certain principles that remain in the New Testament. There are certain principles of God, like you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. It was in the Old Testament. Jesus repeated it in the New Testament. But going to slaughter cows and goats and whatever, trying to appease for sin, it's Old Testament. It can't be in the New Testament. So I like, to, I like you to meditate 
and what the scripture says about marriage and divorce before you dive in or dive out let's uh, meditate on the scriptures so uh, genesis 2 18 to 24 that is the intent we always want to go to the beginning i've said it before when you took genesis and revelation together it gives you a whole picture of what's happening elsewhere in scripture it gives a foundation and the capping of the entire picture of the whole human race and what is written in scripture and the lord god said it is not good sufficient satisfactory that the man should be alone i will make him a helper suitable adapted complementary for him and out of the ground the lord god formed every wild beast and living creature of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to adam to see what he would call them and whatever adam called every living creature that was his name and adam gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the air to every wild beast of the field but for adam there was not found a helper meat suitable adapted complementary for him some of you that are married including myself um, sometimes we, we don't we don't we don't work with our, our, our spouses and they've got a lot to offer because god knew we need we needed something that's why he sent them to our lives and the lord god caused a deep sleep verse 21 to fall upon adam and while he slept he took one of his ribs or a part of his side and closed up the place with flesh and the rib or part of his side which the lord god had taken from the man he built up and made into a woman and he brought her to the man then adam said this creature is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh all right first corinthians 13 3 to 8 even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be bond or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not considered arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly love god's love in us does not resist on his own right or is not does not insist on his own rights or his own way for it is not self-seeking it is not touchy or fretful or resentful it takes no account of the evil done to it it pays no attention to the suffered wrong to the suffered wrong it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. His hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or obsolete here, or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will destroy and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its word and be superseded by truth but love remains if you go into first uh, corinthians uh, the next chapter there now let's look at romans 12 10 love one another with brotherly affection as brothers of one family giving precedence and showing honor to one another colossians 3 14 to 17 and i read and above all these put on love and fold yourselves with the bond of affections perfectness which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony and let peace soul harmony which comes from christ rule act as umpire continually in your heart deciding and settling with finality all questions arise in your minds 
in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you were also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have his home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness as you teach, admonish, train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom and spiritual things and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to God with his grace in your hearts. And whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. Ephesians 5, 23, 21-23 Be subject to one another out of reference for Christ, Messiah the Anointed One. Wise, be submit, be subject, be, sub, be submissive and adapt yourself to your own husband as a service to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, himself the savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself a glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and faultless. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being in sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members parts of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being in a sense, his own self. And let the wife see that she respects and references her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, references him, venerates him, and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, loves him, and admires, ad, admires him exceedingly. Matthew 5 31 32. It has also been said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, whoever dismisses and repudiates and divorces his wife except on the grounds of unfaithfulness, sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who has been divorced commits adultery. Mark 10, 2-12, I read. And some Pharisees came and, and in order to test him and try to find a weakness in him, asked, is it lawful for a man to dismiss and repudiate a divorce's wife? Hear what Jesus said. He answered them, what did Moses command you? They replied, Moses allowed a man to write a bill of divorce and put her away. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, your condition of insensibility to the call of God, he wrote you these precepts in your law. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave behind his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and cleave closely to her permanently. And the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has united, joined together, let no man separate or divide. And indoors, the disciples questioned him again about this subject, and he said to them, Whoever dismisses, repudiates, and disgraces his wife, and marries another, commits adultery against her. And if a woman dismisses, repudiates, and divorces her husband, and marries another, she commits adultery. Malachi 2.16 is God saying, For the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I hate divorce, marital suppression, and him who covers his garment, his wife, with violence. Therefore keep a watch upon your spirit, that it may be controlled by my spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate. 1 Corinthians 7.10-17 But to the married people I give charge, 
not I, but the Lord, that a wife is not to separate from her husband. But if she does separate from her and divorces him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to her husband. And I charge the husband also that he should not put away or divorce his wife. To the rest I declare, I, not the Lord, for Jesus did not discuss this. But if any brother has a wife who does not believe in Christ and she consents to live with him, he should not leave or divorce her. And if any woman has an unbelieving husband and a consent to live with her, she should not leave or divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is set apart, separated, withdrawn from hidden contamination and affiliated with the Christian people by union with his consecrated, set apart wife. And the unbelieving wife is set apart and separated through union with her consecrated husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, unblessed, hidden outside the Christian covenant. But as it is, they are prepared for God, pure and clean. But if the unbelieving partner actually leaves, let him do so. In such cases, the remaining brother or sister is not morally bound. But God has called us to peace. For wife, how can you be sure of converting converting and saving your husband? Husband, how can you be sure of converting and saving your wife? Only let each one seek to conduct himself and regulate his affairs so as to lead the life which the Lord has afflicted and imparted to him and to which God has invited and summoned him. This is my order in all these churches. Now let's look at three of um, three. of three. That is the gray areas that we need to look at and how we can deal with that. Pursue peace and don't avoid conflict and holiness as much as it is in your power to do so and if not keep off it keep off if the peace overshores comes to bite you as it does not find a landing place either with siblings or other relations for that matter that's hebrew 10 14. so how then do you pursue peace here are five ways to pursue peace first of all making peace doesn't make make mean avoiding conflict a conflict avoided is often a conflict postponed and therefore a conflict that ultimately becomes worse. Peacemaking begins with the honesty and courage to recognize a problem and face it. Without these steps, no further progress can be made. Here are five tactics you can deploy to pursue peace. The beginning of strife is like, uh, number one, deal with conflict early. And I told uh, the story earlier, uh, beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out, Proverbs 17, 14. And I mentioned that growing up, remember building a dam in a stream that was flow, flowing down a hillside or mountain. The idea was simple. If we block the stream, we could create a pool of water deep enough for a swim. It took some time to gather the stones and put them in place. Eventually, the dam was built, the pool was formed, and the level of water uh, of water began to rise. Time to get ready for a swim. But there was a problem. A small trickle of water had found its way through the rocks. Before long, the trickle had moved a few small stones, releasing more water, which had had the force to uh, remove some larger stones. What began as a trickle ended in a flood. Our dam was swept away, the pool emptied, and all our work was lost. That's the picture God gives us in Proverbs. The beginning of strife is like the first trickle of water. It may not have seemed like much at the time, but in that trickle lay the potential for a torrent. You've probably been in that situation and you know if you could go back and do it all over again, the outcome could be different, but you can't go back. So deal with conflict early. Don't let small resentment take root because if you do, they will grow. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Number two of five of ways to pursue peace. Practice patience, especially with your tongue. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to 
to anger. That's James 1.19. Self-expression is one of the leading idols in our culture, certainly fueled by social media. Peacemakers, however, practice restraint. When a relationship is under strain, you may be tempted to unload. But if you are a peacemaker, you hold back. <clears throat> Sorry there. Uh, remember, recognizing a problem and having the courage to face it don't give you permission to explode with your accumulated frustrations, disappointments, and complaints. Practice restraint, especially in relation to your tongue. Even in honest confrontation, you don't need to unload everything. And if you are a peacemaker, you won't. Number three of five, prepare for a long journey. Seek peace and pursue it as 1 Peter 3.11. If you are serious about peacemaking, you may need to prepare for a long journey. If the problem is recognized early, peace may be restored quickly. But if you are called to be a peacemaker in a relationship in which wounds are deep, you will be prepared for the long haul. When Peter used the word seek, he was saying sometimes peace won't be easy to find. When he calls us to pursue it, he reminds us that peace may sometimes be far in the distance and that to find it, you will need to stay on the journey. Peacemaking is a process, not an event. As you think about the long journey of peacemaking, remember God's journey toward peace with you. The process of God's making peace with you goes back to the beginning of time. It took all the promises of the Old Testament, all the work of redeeming Israel, and all the ministry of sending the prophets. It took the coming of Christ into the world. It's perfect fulfillment of God's law. It's atoning death as a sacrifice for your sin. He's rising from the dead and is ascending into heaven. It took the ascending of the Holy Spirit, who awakened you and I to your need or my need for Christ, caused us to be born again, applied the full elect of the cleansing blood of Jesus to your life, and adopted you into the family of God. That was a long journey of redemption. God has been relentless in pursuing peace with us. Peacemakers reflect his persistence. Number four, five. Take a step towards peace. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Proverbs 12, 20. Even your enemy has needs. And Paul describes a situation in which your enemy needs food. He or she is hungry. That gives you the opportunity to show an act of kindness. The principle here is a very simple one. When peace seems a long way off, ask God to show you one small step you can take in the right direction. Number five or five, trust to God the injustice he suffered. This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. That's First Peter 2.19. Sometime in your life you will experience a sorrow that comes from being slighted, treated unfairly, passed over or taken for granted. It's painful to have evil return to good or to give of yourself and receive wounds in return. When you suffer unjustly, you need to know that Jesus has suffered unjustly also. No one has ever been wronged and had their rights ignored or uh, flooded more than your Savior. Nevertheless, Christ was a great peacemaker. And we can go on and on and give you uh, Peter who was, was going to be crucified and said, Turn me upside down. John was put in hot boiling water. Um, Thomas was 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 uh, uh, killed by in India by arrows of uh, of of the the hatches and whatever or, or hatches or whatever they call them and so many of them not one of them came except John who was on fire uh, born put in oil and then he didn't die and then they threw him into Isle of Patmos where Revelation was written so there's a lot of suffering were they justly they were not just they were unjust suffering 
Peter tells us in the way Jesus endured the evils and injustice committed against him, he left an example for us so that we could follow in his step. Jesus embodies the way God wants peacemakers to act when we are wrong, provoked, or wounded. Entrusting yourself to God in 1 Peter 2.23 means looking to him to deal with the injustice rather than try to vindicate yourself. When Christ bore our sins, he absorbed the pain of what we did to him without passing it on. This is what peacemakers do. The only way to break escalating circles of retaliation is for someone to absorb the pain rather than pass it on. Someone has to say, it stops here. That's what Christ, the great Greek peacekeeper, has done for us. Knowing his vindication was with God and trusting him for the outcome, Jesus broke the otherwise endless circle of violence and vengeance by bearing our sins and absorbing the pain. Knowing your need, you become poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3, and are thrown back in fresh dependence on the Lord. You begin to recognize and mourn the compromises of your past life and submit yourself with meekness to the will of God, even when these steps are difficult and costly. From this, God will bring the good fruits of a tender heart filled with compassion, mercy, and forgiveness, a pure heart that wills one, that wills one thing and pursues holiness and a peaceful heart that will make it possible for you to be a peacemaker in a divided and troubled world. The first ring is within your reach. Grasp it firmly and swing. I pray by authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to pray for relationships now. I pray by the authority in the name of Jesus Christ that this title today, seven toxic relationships to avoid uh, to purge, to manage, seven God-ordained relationships to cultivate, three great areas to watch, and five ways to purge uh, 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 peace. Further, broken down in subtitles, a perfect relationship, seven indicators of toxic relationships to purge and avoid like a plague, seven indicators of God-ordained and God-model relationship to cherish, and three great areas to note for toxic relationships to keep in mind and to guide our relationship decisions on five ways to pursue peace in a toxic relationship. We, I hope and I pray, I pray that this will bring a refreshing, a healing. I declare that authority in the name of Jesus, that it will bring a refreshing to your relationship, a healing to your relationship, a deliverance to your relationship, a restoration to every relationship of as many that are listening right now that are in diff very difficult toxic relationship in Jesus' name. Can I hear a big and loud amen from all of you who are listening or watching or, or reading right now? Amen and amen. So be it in Jesus' name. So if you need counseling in your relationship, we are available to work with you as you reflect Christ in that troublesome relationship in Jesus' name. You can reach us by email, info at atakada.org or you are through WhatsApp at 234-803-283-5348. So Shalom, this is Ambassador Aurel Joe. Uh, Monday Ogbe, Oroja means God's eagle. Wake up one morning and the Lord said, you are my eagle. So, and Ugochuku, that's what it means. He said, you are my Ugochuku. And I had to investigate that. Oroja means God's eagle in Nigala uh, from Kogi State. God's eagle ministries where we are seeding the nations with God's uh, uh, word. And God is transforming lives through the timeless truth in his word. Father, I pray for these ones and I ask that you cover them, protect them, be with them, safeguard them. 
from the evil one. I cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ and I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. I declare that no weapon formed or fashion against us prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment stands condemned now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a blessed weekend in Jesus' name. Amen.